everybody, and welcome to another episode of One of Us is a Filmmaker. Hello, hello. And that filmmaker is me. Mm, and I'm not one. <laughs> You're just someone who's going to chat about film. Yeah. Chat about film with me. I know. Good stuff, though. Fun. Definitely good stuff. Fun, fun, fun. So what we're doing today is we are going to be doing a look back at the classics. Mm. And we're actually going to be looking back at the... I'm going to call it the first generation Marvel time era. Yeah, not to be confused with phase one. This is not no. phase one of the MCU. This is no, kind of... Pre This is kind of one. like the beginning of Marvel films entering into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is the best way to describe it. I agree with that. Yeah. What does that include? Let's, let's, let's break it down. We've got the X-Men's. X-Men's, which we were probably going to speak about the most. Yes. Um, the Spider-Man's, um, okay. which we have spoken about in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. We don't want to rehash that too much. Mm. Still we... some things on left unsaid, but... <laughs> but then, we <laughs> then we can cover them in this episode. <laughs> we have the Ang Lee Incredible Hulk. Mm. Yep, that's true. Which was Edward Norton? No, it was... No, the one for Edward Norton. Eric Banner. Ban- yes, Eric Banner, which is, which is ironic the- because his name is Bruce Banner. Oh, yeah, but Eric Banner is B-A-N-A. Yes. So a little bit different. <laughs> 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 okay. A little detail there you missed. A little detail. Okay. Um, yeah, and then have we got anything else in there? Um, there's Didn't a few miss. other films I'm thinking of. Didn't there is, of course, The Fantastic Four. Yeah, we with... can definitely talk about that. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm up for that. And those are kind of the main ones that I remember. I think most of it was Sony. That yes. sort of first phase. Yes. And then it moved. When it, when it kind of became, started to become the MCU, that was when actually Disney and Marvel kind of started doing their own thing, basically. Yes. Although I believe that X-Men was Fox. Oh, not Sony. I see. Oh, I'm not going to lie to you. Marvel have screwed up the rights and they've been mm. passed around to every bloody studio in Hollywood mm. all over the place. That's why getting Spider-Man together was such a kerfuffle. Because Yeah, I remember when there was huge panic that it was going to be, you know, Tom Holland was only going to be able to do one Spider-Man movie or something. And that yeah. was a big kerfuffle around that, I remember. I mean, they made a big deal about it. Like, no, we want the rights, we want it. At the end of the day, they're all going to make money. It's fine. <laughs> they sort it out because they realised we're just going to make more money. So. I think it's the fans who are almost slightly more concerned because they don't want storylines to be unfinished. They want it all to tie nicely together. And if different studios are making the films, there's they have no obligation to make sure that the storylines are, you know, they're all in the same universe or whatever. Mm, okay, um, right. But that aside, yeah. we're not <laughs> talking about the Tom Holland <laughs> Spider-Man in this episode. No. We are going back to the... The OGs. The OG Marvels, mm. indeed. So I guess we can... We we'll can... start with the beginning, shall we? Okay. Which one was the first one, do you know? X-Men. X-Men 1. 2000, this was. Whoa, that's a long time ago. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it as yeah. a kid, I remember. It's still probably one of my favourite superhero films Maybe it's just because I saw it when I was young and it's the nostalgia attached to it. But genuinely, I remember thinking it's a really entertaining film. It's really heartbreaking, the whole, all the scenes with Magneto and he's in the Nazi concentration camp and it's all pretty heavy. It is very heavy. And I, I think... that's how it starts. Yeah, no, it's very, very heavy. And I think that one of the great things about doing X-Men on screen was actually out of everything in... Marvel's comics, and and this is kind of a a little chat about the comics quickly, but like um, everything in their comics, X-Men is designed with purpose to talk about political issues. Mm. And, and uh, I mean, on the face of it, it's literally, it's Magneto's ideology versus Professor X's. And, and how, you know, do we integrate or do we like fight for our own rights as our own people, you know? Mm. And... That provides so much space. And you're right, like, his backstory in the Nazi concentration camps hits really hard. And I guess when you walk into the cinema and you go to watch X-Men, you're not, like, expecting that to show up straight away. Also, it's interesting, isn't it? They they start with the backstory of the villain. Like, they don't show Professor X and how he, his struggles Mm -hmm. and how he became Mm -hmm. how he is. 
I know that's probably addressed later in the later X-Men movies and the Marvel phases and all that. But yeah, interesting choice to choose to go with Magneto. You you kind of then understand and empathize with him, why he does what he does and mm-hmm. why he takes Rogue and what he's attempting to do. And I think that's the marker of a good villain is one mm. that the filmmaker or whoever it is, you know, whatever medium it is, they spend time to ensure that you understand what they're doing, why they are the way they are. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think Magneto played excellently oh, by uh, Ian. Sir Ian McKellen. <laughs> Sir Ian McKellen. Um, yeah, played excellently by him. The character itself is motivated by quite political and personal things, and I think Ian McKellen does a great job of bringing that across on screen. I never, You never get the feeling that it's just some arbitrary villain, mm. you know? And I think one of the nice things about X-Men is even though there is this sense of team building, right? And and yeah. like Wolverine is new to the cast and, and they don't know him and all, all of this stuff is coming together. Actually, it's not like a superhero reveal story. It's not like a development story. It's like they're all established. They're all superheroes. You're right? just jumping into you're it. You're just kind of jumping in and you're experiencing what it's like to be in this like mishmash of political equality, you know, like political and, yeah, political and social like inequality. Yeah. Uh, it just does a really good do- job of like jumping you in. Yeah. And also from the perspective of filmmaking itself, it's really interesting how they cast it because most of the main characters were unknown. So Hugh Jackman, for example, he was a complete unknown and they cast him as Wolverine. Apparently they wanted Russell Crowe for the role. Wow. But he turned choice. it down. Yeah. <laughs> interesting choice. Uh, either he turned it down or he wasn't available. You just you don't know these things exactly yeah. why an actor didn't take the role. Uh, but apparently they were already sh- shooting. They had already begun shooting. So I think it was a bit of a panic to try and find an actor. They needed someone who could fill it. Hugh Jackman was obviously a good choice because mm-hmm. he's great in the role. Yeah. Um, but what just being plucked out of, you know, obscurity and you're like the main character yeah. in this franchise that's going to go on for however many films yeah. kickstarted his Hollywood career. It's what, pretty incredible. I mean, I, I I don't know what it was like whether they had basically written a three-part story. I don't know if that was exactly what had happened. And they were like, we want to make X-Men 1, 2, and 3. Mm. But there's no way they could have predicted what Hugh Jackman would go on to become in that role. You know, yeah. like there were a bajillion spin-off movies f- just for him. Yeah. And then Ending there was like a bajillion Logan. extra X-Men films just for him, yeah. pretty much. Ending with Logan, which is not in this Marvel phase we're no. talking about, but it's really good. I really enjoyed Logan. I never watched it. Did you not? No. I did not see Logan. You have to watch it. It's really good. I, I, it came out at that very unfortunate phase where I had boycotted <laughs> superhero films. Oh, dear. Well, because dear. it came out in the milieu of like <laughs> all, all the stupid... Like Marvel was just getting too big and there's too much and too many superhero films saturating the market. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm not watching superhero films mm. for a while. Well, I would go back and watch Logan. I should. I should. And you can watch it in isolation. You don't need to have watched everything up to it. Like, you will get what's going on. It does have Stephen Merchant. I quite like Stephen Merchant. Yes, and it has Professor X in again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and we talked about Ian McKellen, and we didn't talk about... Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. I know, I know. But, I mean, Ian McKellen does play Gandalf, so... And apparently he was concerned mm. he might not be able to play Gandalf because of filming this role, because right. the schedules might not have lined up. But luckily... <laughs> hold on it everyone it's all good it's all good and it's really sweet because Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen have known each other like they've done theatre together you know growing up in they're the, like classical actors yeah classically trained actors yeah. and I think that's why their dynamic is so great mm. um, they really feed off one another I love them in X-Men 1 but also X-Men 2 mm. is it X-Men 2 when Magneto is like in the Floating prison box? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. because, I mean... That, yeah, because he gets captured at the end of... Yeah, he gets captured right at the end of number one. I mean, so pretty much most of the best scenes are just Ian and Patrick having a chat. Yeah. You know, just like having a chat, playing a game of chess. Yeah. It's like... Very compelling. I mean, those they are the two big players they had in the film because Anna Paquin wasn't a big established movie star. She had obviously done well as a kid actor, but no big blockbusters for her yet. Mm-hmm. And then also you had Rebecca Rumgin, who was a very famous model, but she wasn't a proven actress yet, and she played... Mystique. Yeah, she played her. Mystique. And James Marsden, is that it? James Marsden, I don't think he was particularly famous or established. I think he was like a kid actor again. 
I, 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 I don't know. I've never heard that before, but oh, perhaps. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. But I just I feel like I've just seen him as a kid and So like in so, terms of in terms of bankability, there in that film there is no huge Hollywood name. Like I said, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are obviously the most established actors and probably mm. the biggest. But, I mean, I don't know if you would have called at that point Ian McKellen or Patrick Stewart bankable. Um, Halle Berry. Uh, yeah, Halle Berry. She was probably a big name at that point, maybe. She was sort of coming up again. Like, she still, she wasn't huge because yeah. she did Monsters Ball after she did. And that was, she won something for that. She won one. an Oscar for yeah. it. Then she did Catwoman the year after and got a Razzie for worst acting. <laughs> <in the movie. laughs> yeah, but that's jokes. It's a great story. And I know Catwoman is in DC, but whatever. Um, she went and accepted her Razzie and she went up and she was like, thank you, everybody, <laughs> for giving me the opportunity to be in this horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> Love I mean, it. it's a funny film. <laughs> I love that she t- took it with a sense of humour. Yeah. Good on her. As you have to with these things. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so they had, you know, this new cast kind of and not established, but really, wow, they made something pretty great out of it. Definitely. I feel like the only big superhero films before were Tim Burton's versions of the Batman and then you had Superman had been done Superman. a bajillion times in different ways. Yeah. But, you know, it definitely was not... The landscape of superhero films today, this didn't exist. Yeah, it was... It was not that. This was fresh, this was new, this was exciting for comic book fans. And it know? really sort of became the blueprint for what Marvel and superhero films are now. Yeah. I mean, you, you might argue that some superhero films now have more comedy and, you know, a light affair in some ways. But then yeah. you've got some darker ones. But really... I couldn't distinguish too much the, those original X-Men movies from the Marvel films today. No, I mean, and and they kind of developed to be part of it in a way. I'm not oh, saying, yeah, because they have First Class and whoever Yeah, and, and not to say that they necessarily fall into the MCU because I don't want to get attacked by all the people listening, but <laughs> they developed into this whole Marvel cinema. You're right, X-Men kind of laid the foundation for that. Mm-hmm. So we have X-Men 1, we have X-Men 2, and we have X-Men 3. What do you remember best from those three? Well, I remember enjoying X-Men 2 the most. Right. I think I've seen X-Men 2 the most as well. The one with Nightcrawler in? Yeah, yeah. The, like, guy... Alan Cummings. Yes, Alan Cummings. Now I'm just thinking about... Spy Kids. (laughs) (laughs) With the thumb-thumbs. Yeah. (laughs) And me and and my friend, we watched that recently. Did you? And, yeah, (laughs) Spy and we always make a joke about uh, one of our <laughs> PE teachers is called Mr. Minion. And, <laughs> and like throughout the whole film, Alan Cummings is like the main, what's his name again in the Spy Kids? I can't remember. I can't remember. But basically his like scientific doctory person is called, is, <laughs> is called Minion. And then he, when Minion becomes like a big wig and like takes over, yeah. he then turns around and says, it's, Mr. Minion. Now. <laughs> yeah, he was Mr. Minion now. <laughs> yeah, we lost it. We just gonna Funny. I love Spy Kids. I love the bit where she, like, they have um, all, like, the packages of things you put in the microwave and then it makes, like, a McDonald's meal pop yes. out. And you're just like, why can't life yeah, be happens. like this? Yeah. There was a meme I saw which said, yeah, this, is 20, that <laughs> this is 2023, why does this not invented yet? <laughs> yeah. I agree. Slightly not, slightly not part of the conversation. No. But I wonder if that's Spy Kids, because that was 2001, if it was sort of influenced by these superhero films starting to come out, because it's sure. that sort of... I mean, I guess it's more spy, espionage vibes, but it has a superhero feel to it. It's very fantastical. With that comparison, and I'm, 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 think, I'm thinking it from the angle of like, Spy Kids was like a kid's film. But X-Men did not feel like a kid's film. No. X-Men it was did a, not feel like it was designed for kids. It was a kids. 12, I think. I'm, I Very want... adult by nature, though. But if it was a 12, then I couldn't have seen it in the cinema. So maybe it was a 12 and I saw it on DVD. There's lots of violence, like very heavy themes. I mean, to be quite honest, there's like... There's nudity and stuff in it. <laughs> All right. <know>. Crazy. <laughs> but, you know, I mean... These films were designed to be for adults, and I—I mm-hmm. I guess what they were capitalizing on was all the kids who grew up with comic books. I don't know, seventies, eighties, nineties, whatever. I mean, comic books have been around for ages, but you know that kind of era. Then moving into like the then targeting those guys as adults, mm-hmm. and I think it did it really well. Definitely, and I, I do think that it was a twelve. So I think I must have seen it on 
video or mm. DVD. I mean, or I was too young to have seen it in the cinema, but I do remember growing up having watched X Men One and X Men Two a lot. We definitely saw X Men Two in the cinema. I, but that, at that point, twelve A's were a thing. So. I only remember seeing X Men Three in the cinema. I think that was that was my earliest. X Men Three has the same problem, I think, as Spider Man Three. It's not as oh. bad as Spider Man Three. X Men Three felt like there was a bit too much going on, a bit convoluted. I think it, it feels. As and if... then everybody everybody died in X Men Three. Like oh, everyone, yeah, bloody loads of people died. My problem when loads of characters <clears throat> die in a movie. Is it just the impact's gone? That was my problem with, sort of spoilers, for um, Avengers Endgame. When Black Widow died, it was like, oh, bobbed. Like, nobody cares. She didn't get some nice funeral. And then just Robert Downey Jr. gets a nice big funeral. I was just like, oh, no, that is Endgame. I thought you were talking about Infinity War where they all die. No, no, I I know that. Okay, so, yes, you're quite right. In Endgame, when Scarlett Johansson's character... Runs off the cliff and dies. Yeah, it was a bit bobbed. What they celebrate... Black Widow about is Hulk chucking a desk. <laughs> yeah, he literally just... Well, he just chucks something after Hawkeye says something and then it's just like, oh, well, that's it. Yeah. So that's why I think my problem with X-Men 3 and with some Marvel movies generally is when lots of people die and you don't... There's no time emotionally mm-hmm. for you to reel from it or to give them sort of the respects that you should in mm-hmm. terms of the story or the pacing or the character needs to, yeah, that you need to let them have their moment. X-Men 3, don't think, gave the characters that moment considering three or four of them died. I was I was thinking of like, the, the same sort of point, just not from the whole people dying like <laughs> aspect, but just like Spider-Man 3 and X-Men 3 both suffered from, yes, there was too much going on, but it was also like everything that they're doing, they're just, they have to rush it. Like, they, mm. they don't have... They haven't allowed themselves the time yeah, they to, time. to yeah. explore it and to let it lie. Yeah, I would agree with that, unfortunately. But it's interesting because you had X-Men 1 and that really kicked it off. But while they were doing, making X-Men 2 and 3, they obviously had already started making Spider-Man. That mm-hmm. had come out and then they were doing Spider-Man 2 and 3. And this is when it suddenly started to become saturated. So they did the um, Fantastic Four uh, soon after. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic Four. Which I don't remember being very good at all. I have to say it's not. No. But and it's really interesting that Chris Evans is in that film. I know. And, and when he was cast as Captain America, there was a lot of like, how's this going to work? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I, they just did not reference. No. But they... imagine though, if they, because you know how they brought back X-Men into the MCU? Sort of. Sort of. Well, they they were making films in like 2014, 2015, when it was all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Imagine if they were like, yeah, let's revive the old cast of Fantastic Four. Now. I know. And that would have come out the same time. Very strange. They obviously knew they weren't going to do that, and they did redo Fantastic Four with a different cast. Mm-hmm. Probably for that very reason. They were like, well, we can't use Chris I guess, Evans. <laughs> I guess, like, they were also trying to set up this multi-franchise. Like, yeah. They, they, and, I mean, the comic book set this out. I mean, Fantastic Four is, they're a group. Avengers is a group. And so they had yeah. these two, like, lines I guess they wanted to pursue. But... Clearly, from the quality of Fantastic Four, I have to say, didn't look like that was going to pan out very much. Um, I mean, I just remember Doctor Doom. What's his name? You know, the actor from Charmed. What's his name? Oh, Julian McMahon. That's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot uh, and, he was and, and he's, he's just like, I, what are you doing? <laughs> it's so weird because, yeah, I remember it was just... Casting was off and, just... and the characters weren't good and the story was so... really basic. Was... Yeah, I remember like um, Jessica... Alba. Alba was... She was saying how hard that film was because they just wrote her terribly. Yeah, she's such a bad character. Nothing to do. And there's a quote from her where she said, like, she was trying to, you know, get into the emotion of a scene or something and the director was like, no, don't cry. You're making you look ugly or something like that. Just like... Really? Yeah. Going back to X-Men, Brian Singer directed those X-Men films and he's just a horrible man. Is Um, he? What's he done? Uh, there's something was, I don't know about. Um, no, well, you should know. It's like all in the well documented. All those of actors who've been in those films have said he was erratic, he was angry, he was oh. abusive. There's a lot of um, coming out through Me Too and stuff. There's a lot of accusations against him as well of being. I didn't know that. Get rid of him. Mm. I don't care if you made like a couple of good films, mate. No one cares. Get rid of him. He actually even got fired from. Was it the third film? Can't remember. Wow, I would hope so. If he's acting like that. No. Shouldn't be allowed. No, you shouldn't be, but... Mm. Yeah, I didn't know that. Wow. Okay. 
Yeah, so he's... <clears throat> well, I'm amazed that the men managed to put up such performances in those three X-Men films, then, if they were dealing with that. You know, with a director who's grumpy or, uh, unfortunately, or doing all that stuff. Unfortunately, a lot of the time you do have to put up with, you know, not just bad directors, yeah. but sometimes it's just a bad environment or it's really stressful. Mm. And that's why they pay actors a lot of money, because when you have to be on, you have to be on. I said in the mm. last episode, a film lives or dies by its casting. You need actors who are going to commit, who are going to do the role, no matter how difficult mm-hmm. the surrounding circumstances are. Yeah. And I, I haven't, I mean, I don't know about the cast then itself, but I haven't heard anything bad about, like, the cast, so I assume they all worked well together. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, no, I think so, definitely. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time, when you have a stressful environment or, you know, a difficult director, presumably the cast sort of rallies around each other because that's all they have. <laughs> yeah. They're all in the same boat experiencing the same thing. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really difficult. And, and also, like, he said apparently some really horrible things to Elliot Page and things like that. Why? I didn't realise that. It's kind of tainted it a little bit for me. Yes, so. yes. I mean, there's so many films I could say about directors who aren't very nice, but I won't. Yeah, I mean, that could be a whole... <laughs> that, could be a... <laughs> that could be a whole discussion. But, I mean, it's very famous that Brian right, is okay. not a nice man. I didn't realise. Mm-hmm. Wow. But the Sam Raimi, as we said, did the Spider-Mans. And from what I have heard, he's been very good to work with. And like I was saying, the actors all comment about how he really treats it like an indie movie, like right, right. really character-driven and yeah. there's more to it and it's not just... And we mentioned that in fancy, fancy. one of the previous uh, episodes, but, you know, Sam Raimi came from the indie scene and came from the horror scene specifically. And, yeah. like really try to implement that in the Spider-Man films. Definitely. And that's what's so interesting about this beginning of the Marvel films, I guess, is that mm-hmm. these started out being quite adult, serious films. You know, yeah. they, they they weren't lighthearted and they weren't... They were actually taking themselves quite seriously, mm-hmm. which can work. Obviously, you're talking about superheroes, so, you know, there's an element of, you know, surrealism that has to be there. But these were supposed to be grounded... And I guess X-Men and Spider-Man, when you spoke last about Spider-Man 2 and you said how it's very character driven, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it feels like X-Men is actually kind of the same way. The cast is so important and the characters are so important and it's all about the, the relationships and the dynamics between them. So if you've listened to our previous episodes, or if you haven't, go back and listen. In our sequels episode, we do talk a lot about Spider-Man 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. So this is why we're not going to rehash it too much right now. But we will go into a bit more detail with Spider-Man 3. 3. Now, there are three villains in Spider-Man 3. Maybe that's why they called it Spider-Man 3. I mean, I know it's the third in a sequence, but also they were like, is Spider-Man 3? Let's throw in three villains. They could have called it whatever they wanted. So the villains we have is the lizard guy, Mm -hmm. Venom. Uh, oh my god, and that's played by the guy from that 70s show. Not the lizard guy, that's a different guy. Oh, it's, sorry. It's, it's the black goo yeah. Venom. Yeah, Venom's right, but the lizard guy is, is a different guy. Oh, right, sorry, yeah. So Venom, sorry, is, <laughs> Venom is played by that 70s show guy. Yeah. I forget his name. Eddie, so he's Eddie Brock in The Thing, and his name is... <laughs> Carry on, I've forgotten it. Whatever his name is, yeah. yeah. But really odd casting choice, I'm sorry. For me. Yeah. Um, and then work. there's the Sandman guy, mm-hmm. who I just think of as um, the guy from George of the Jungle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was also in something else. He's in Sideways, which is a good comedy, I don't know, sideways. indie drama film. Okay, never mind. Anyway, so there's the Sandman guy. Mm-hmm. And then there's Green Goblin. Green Goblin, yeah. And then there's also, I suppose you could argue, Spider-Man himself. himself. <laughs> so they're like four, four villains. <laughs> Spider-Man 3, 4. Yeah. <laughs> 3, 4 villains. 3, 4. Oh my God, but Spider-Man 3, please, has the most iconic scene. Do the dance. <laughs> yeah, you can't see us, but we're doing the dance that Tobey yeah. Maguire does. Woo! I love how in the... Um, <laughs> I love how in the animated Miles... Um, I mean, Spider-Man, yeah, yeah. film. He, they do the little reference to that in the intro when they're talking about the many universe yeah, versions yeah, of Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> the reference within the reference. Yeah, yeah. So good. I, I want to talk about Spider-Man 3 because it's not just that it had three villains, right? The three villains thing is ridiculous. The four villains, sorry. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But it also had this 
massive, massive issue mm. that it basically rehashed what we'd already seen on state on screen. Yeah. So the second film was all about Peter Parker struggling with balancing and managing his relationship with Mary Jane. And it culminated in them being a lot stronger and understanding each other. And then in the third one, it rehashes basically all those problems again. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just strange from a character arc point of view where it's like, they've already resolved this. Why are we revisiting this problem even though they've worked this out? Yeah. I guess you could argue, oh, it was it was Harry and Green Gob- Hobgoblin coming in and messing it all up. But it, it doesn't matter what the method is to get there. It's just that from a writing perspective, they are rehashing the same thing and it doesn't need to be. Yes. It's a waste of time for yeah. the viewer. They don't need to see this. No. You know? It's it's really funny because within this period of Marvel movies, mm-hmm. you've got some really great films that are just really awful ones. Yeah. Like this Spider-Man 3 business. I, I mean, maybe it's not awful, but it's not great from what I remember. I would say awful. I would say X-Men up. 3 isn't awful, but again, I didn't think it was great. Mm-hmm. Then you have Fantastic Four, which I would argue is not, is really not good. Yeah, it's not good. And then you have Hulk. Oh, yeah. Hulk. Which I remember watching it and being really bored as a kid watching it. But it, my dad really liked it. And I think because Ang Lee directed it, I think it's 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 not really a traditional superhero-y, feely film. No, it's, it's much more of a character exploration. And that's why I think a lot of people didn't like it. Yeah. And that's why, presumably, Ang Lee was not invited back to direct any superhero films or maybe he was and he turned it down because it's not the no, sort of work he wants to do there was something else he potentially did which was superhero-esque I'll have to have a little look. Um, it, it's also shot and edited really interestingly because it, it was it was one of the first ones to do the comic book look yeah so you know it like all the transitions were like comic book mm-hmm. like um uh, what they called squares or or like um, borders and stuff like that and kind of cutting across the screen and so it was it was kind of interesting it, I don't think there had really been anything else that had done that just yet yeah so that was cool but I completely get what you mean about it could be seen as boring it mm-hmm. is very slow it it's is surreal it's, it's very got surreal elements yeah, in it for sure definitely very, very dark. Yeah, because I, I remember one of the clearest sequences I have from the film is there's like a pool of water with some, you know, flowers in the water and he like is looking at his reflection and there's a woman there. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was going on, but mm-hmm. like from seeing that film, and I've only seen it once or twice, those are the images I get from it mm-hmm. rather than some amazing action sequences or yeah. whatever else there might be. But it, there's really it's nice interesting. shots in it. and, and well, I'm sure if it was Ang Lee. There's beautiful there's shots, like bits sure. where he's honestly just like sitting contemplating and he's getting these memories and, mm. and there's there's like this whole bit where it it's like he's revisiting his parents fighting and and yeah, it's I remember in a this. suburban like environment, kinda like what you imagine uh I'm gonna use the word nuketown, not that you have it may may know or listeners may know, but it's it's like this sort of fake suburban America. Right. Yeah. That that's what the set kinda looks like. And it it's so nice to look at. Mm-hmm. And and it's just really, it's quite beautiful actually. Well, Ang Lee's work is really beautiful, and he, this was hot off the success of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, right? And so this was his sort of big Hollywood film that he was um, ushered into doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it didn't go down well with fans. Had sort of mixed mixed critical success, but it definitely feels quite unique from the other films. And even though. I, I don't know whether I can say it was a bad film or not because I can't really quite remember, but it's definitely one of the more hotly contested is it a good superhero film, is it not? I, I um, think I don't think it should be seen as a superhero film, mm. fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know, but like it it doesn't feel like that at all. It shouldn't be seen like that. Yeah, I mean, if you think of Hulk, in 2000, the 2003 Hulk we're talking about, yeah. among Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, X-Men, it, it feels so different. Yeah. It doesn't really fit in there. And then... Obviously, later they did another Hulk with Edward Norton, and then they did another Hulk. But with what's interesting <laughs> is that they weren't so put off by it that they didn't want to forget its existence. So in the Edward mm. Norton one, there wasn't this whole "Who is Hulk?" Right? They just jumped. They into just it. jumped into it, and there were even references to 
the Ang Lee Hulk. Like, yeah. like it was like, oh, we know that this character's gone on this journey. Now we're here. Well, without it, saying, oh, this film was in existence. <laughs> and also, it wasn't that long after that they did the Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. Mm. It wasn't like a long enough time for them to redo sort of the whole yeah. becoming the Hulk story. I mean. There wasn't that much time between Spider-Man and The Incredible Spider-Man, to be honest, but eh. Amazing. What are you going to do? Ten years. Mm. But mm. Uh, my why I was surprised with why they redid Spider-Man was more because Spider-Man was a success. Yeah, the and, reason... And Hulk wasn't a success. <laughs> yeah. so but I the reason that. that they did The Incredible <clears throat> Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield is because they had to make a movie to maintain the rights. And by that time, Toby was... I don't know, they must have thought he was too old or maybe Toby McGuire didn't want to do it. I don't know exactly. Um, so that's why they had to reboot it. If they wanted to keep the rights, they had to make a movie. Yeah. When you think about, when you like actually go into the film business and why people make decisions and the power studios have over projects, it's really cynical and kind of depressing a lot of the time. Well, they just want they just want to keep the rights and make the money. Well, yeah. If you, they lose the rights, then... They can't make money from it. No, exactly. I just want to mention a few other films that we haven't talked about yet. Okay. Well, there's one franchise which I think is quite good. Unfortunately, I haven't really seen them very much. But you have the Blade Run, uh, Blade Runner. You have the Blade That's series. A very different. Yeah, they're very films. different. <laughs> the Blade films. I haven't really seen the Blade films. Unfortunately, me neither. So, if you want us to um, do a chat about the Blade films, let us know in the comments, and we will go watch them. And we can chat about them and see how they fit in amongst us. Wesley Snipes. Yeah, Wesley Snipes. That's it. Um. Oh, I like Wesley Snipes. Um, but then I've got a few others that have to be mentioned for the hilarity. Okay. We have, of course, Electra with Jennifer Garner in. Oh, my God. And Daredevil with Ben oh Affleck. Oh, my God. Get rid of them. <laughs> Just get rid of them. Well, this is, these are, these are the existence. ones that I'm mentioning because they were sort of, yeah, the ones that I think they wish were forgotten. Interestingly, they didn't, they haven't done Electra in the new MCU, have they? No, but they rehashed Electra in Daredevil. Yeah, so I know they had Daredevil. Okay, because I knew they had Daredevil. Daredevil came, and then a big part of that second series was Elektra and Mm -hmm. her whole storyline and all that, which was, I think, handled just a lot better in the show. My memory of anything from Daredevil was just ridiculous. Like, (laughs) I just thought it was silly, and I didn't didn't get it, and I don't get Ben Affleck as a superhero, unfortunately. Ben Affleck comes back in his, uh, what's he, Batman recently, was he? Yeah, I didn't get that either. I didn't see that one. Is that Batman versus Superman? He's Batman in all of the new DC Oh, series. right, okay. He okay, is okay. Batman now. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, I don't see him as Batman. I haven't watched him as Batman, so I can't say if, you know, back that up with anything. But It's not from ideal. In, yeah, from my instinct, I can't picture Ben Affleck as Batman. Strange casting. Mm. And it also had, um, what's his name, Colin Farrell? Is that his name? Yeah. He was in Daredevil. Was he a villain? Yeah, he yes. was Bullseye. I think. Yeah, I've seen. I have seen Daredevil a long, long time ago. Well, you probably and don't want to remember it. I well, Daredevil. I remember well, a slew of really bad ones came out, including DC ones. So you had Electra come out. You had Daredevil. You had uh, what we just said, Catwoman. Catwoman. Yeah. You had Green Lantern. You had oh, good god. You had I'm sorry, um, Ryan. yeah, Ghost Rider, which is Marvel as well. You just had a slew of really, like, you had X-Men and Spider-Man, which I think were, you know, a good standard, and then suddenly you had all these other ones, and it's sort of that, like, weird time in Marvel when it was sort of wishy-washy, not great films, and Fantastic Four in there as well, and then suddenly you have them rejuvenated when they decide to do Avengers and Iron Man and, you know, kick all that off again. Well, the first Iron Man came out quite early. It was... 2008. 2008, right? And 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 in between... that is when you have those period of not yeah, so good films. Yeah, that is that period. And it would be interesting to know, obviously we probably will never, but like, were they holding off on bringing out some of the, I would say, more established Marvel names like Iron Man or Thor? Were they holding out on bringing those because they knew the MCU was coming? Or were they... Did they just think the others would sell better? Because I was, I'm quite surprised by choosing Ghost Rider as, as like, one of their blockbuster superhero films to pick out of all the Marvel characters. You know, it's just like that's a weird choice. It is weird, and you just wonder whether they were 
behind the scenes while these sort of maybe not as good films that they maybe didn't put as much time or effort into were just sort of there to... Buy time? Yeah, buy time while they were maybe working on this much bigger... This huge project, which yeah. the MCU is a big project, I can't Massive. Yeah. yeah, and then, I mean, once we get to 2008, that is phase one of MCU, which we're not referencing. Right. Even yeah. though we've talked about <clears throat> many of those films in well, this because chat. It, I mean, it builds off of what It happens, does, it so. really does. But yeah. I think in this sort of first-gen OG Marvel time, mm-hmm. there's no doubt in my mind that, and by a big margin, X-Men and Spider-Man are the best. Yeah, and they set the stage. They are front and centre as these are what you got to watch. You mm-hmm. know? Um, I can't see myself going back and watching Elektra or Daredevil again, I can't think. So I'll, I'll, or Fantastic I'll, Four. <laughs> from what we've just said, out of the X-Men and Spider-Man, <laughs> the Spider-Man, Spider-Man. <laughs> the Spider-Man films, mm-hmm. which is your favourite? Out of all those. Out of all those. Do you have like a favourite? Yes. Okay. Which one is it? Well, I think I've said before, this is one of my favourite superhero films ever. So it's going to be Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. 2. You're just going straight into Spider-Man I'm oh, going for it. Going straight there. Sorry. It's, well, I mean, just because. Do you like the series of Spider-Man more? Or do you like ah. the series of X-Men more? That would be another interesting question. Because if you really love Spider-Man 2, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, possibly. I would probably say I do prefer the series of X-Men, the first three X-Mens as a whole. Yeah. Rather than Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. If Spider-Man 3 wasn't included... Maybe Spider-Man 1 or 2 would trump the uh, X-Men. But as a series, even though I don't really like X-Men 3 that much, it it doesn't offend me as much as... Uh, <laughs> it doesn't offend you. <laughs> it doesn't offend me as much as Spider-Man 3 did. Yeah, I think X-Men is a better series. More because it feels like it's designed to be a series. Mm. You know, it, it's... Spider- the Spider-Man films kind of seem like, oh, the first one was successful, let's make another one. Second one did really well. Let's we got to make a third. And but the the first, second, and third um, X-Men's, there's like an there's an overarching narrative. It's the struggle. It's the civil rights struggle basically, which is throughout all of the films, and it culminates in the third one, mm. where not, I don't Jane know. Grey goes crazy. Yeah, Jane <laughs> Grey just goes crazy. But like, I, actually, you know what? I don't even know if. I can't even remember if any Bill of Rights gets passed. I think it does at the end. Yeah, they, 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 there's some like Equalities Act ending. or something gets passed. But <clears throat> it feels like they're connected. Yeah. The first three Spider-Mans don't feel connected. Yeah, I guess the only through line to those Spider-Mans are Mary Jane's love story and Harry's revenge with the Green Goblin. That's true, Harry's revenge, yeah. <laughs> but I guess in yeah. a way, though, that's not like a societal, like space that spider-man needs to sit in whereas like the world of what x-men's living in is much bigger and there's like a whole debate in all the three films or you know that's where this that what holds it together Mm -hmm. instead of these like individual storylines exactly which is more what spider-man has you know spider-man's just in new york and Mm -hmm. trying to save people from annoying street robbers mostly (laughs) yeah pretty much Make sure people get their pizza on time. Friendly neighborhood <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah. So. I love it in the second one when they've seen Spider-Man, Spider-Man. The woman He like looks over and smiles and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like such a Toby Maguire face. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. He yeah. plays it so well. Um He is my favourite Spider-Man, I think. But maybe it's because uh, you know it's nostalgic. I do think Tom Holland does a really good job. Yeah, I, I think to he actually also seems like a teenager. Right. <laughs> Whereas, like, Toby Maguire just that was like, clearly, he kind of looked like a 30-year-old, no, exactly. to be honest. <laughs> and I have to be honest, I didn't see the Andrew Garfield one, so I can't quite comment. I wouldn't recommend. Oh, really? No. Some people really like them. Yeah, those people are wrong. Okay, right. Well, let me know if I should see it in the comments or Well, not. they just, they, they kind of just did everything wrong. Okay. Well, that's not a very good, you know, marketing tool for the film. <laughs> well, they kind of did everything wrong. The writing ah. wasn't very good. Damn. The characterization didn't really make any sense. Mm. And it's... You said something about a film once. What was it? It was... Once. No, it may, it makes a lot of sense here. So you, there was a review done of that really weird space film with Rihanna in it. What was oh, it? yeah. Valerian. Valerian. Whatever, and you, whatever. We, we were speaking about this once and... You weren't sure exactly why it got so critical, critically bad reviews. And you looked one up and and what they generally said 
was there's no likable characters. Mm. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man suffered from exactly the same issue. There's no likable characters. That's interesting because like individually as actors, Emma Stone's really good. Yeah, She's very Stone's charismatic. Great. Same with Andrew Garfield and yeah, other things great. I've seen him in. Uh, Jamie Foxx. I know he's in one of those films. I'm not a huge fan of Jamie Foxx, actually. All right. Well, well, just as a point, it's interesting that in other things I've seen, they're great. So Mm. this is where direction and writing is so important. You can have great actors, but if you don't have a good director or you don't have a a good script, they're lost. And they're just trying to make do of their own thing and work it out. They can't save a film if the direction is not making it cohesive. Yeah. Writing wise, like the X Men's were just really solid as well. Like it, mm. it, everything felt conversational. Everything felt human, despite being in a completely non-human world. Well, not completely, but like all the half non-human, half non-human mutant yeah, the world, extra X say. world, exactly X chromosome. Did you know that Joff Whedon wrote a script for it, which was tossed out, but they kept one line from that that script, or maybe two lines. Which which lines are these? There's one about a toad being electrocuted. And that's kept in the film. That's in Spider-Man. Uh, that's in X-Men 1. Yeah, it is yeah, in yeah. X-Men 1. And, oh, then there's, right. and then there's another one where he they just like left in a, a Time Wolverine-like, says like one thing to someone. You know why? They just like I don't know, I don't know. Maybe Joss Whedon's script was too sort of humorous for, for what they wanted, because mm-hmm. Joss Whedon does have quite like a witty... But uh, he did Avengers, no? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also not a very nice man, Joss Whedon. Sad times. What's going on, man? Why? Abuse of power. Insecure people. In high, like, you know, jobs where people let you get away with anything. I don't know. It's a shame. It does taint these things for me, I think. Yeah. It does. I'm just like, well, why? And yeah, it's obviously not all men, for sure. No. There are a lot of lovely men, including yourself. Um, It's just a shame because a lot, historically, filmmaking has been a male-dominated industry, Mm -hmm. so you do get quite a lot of men high up who happen to be abusing their power and being not very nice people, Mm -hmm. and yet still having a lot of success when women and minorities don't really get shooing. And, well, I mean, you know, Elektra and Catwoman were the first... I mean, I can't think of it. And they were both written and directed by men, and they were terrible. Well, yeah, I mean that, but (laughs) they were the first... Female superhero films. And well over-sexualised. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with that. No, no, I'm just <laughs> making points, making points. No, but it, it's a real shame that they were terrible. were terrible because actually it was a, potentially opening the door to more female superheroes and then they just, nope. Like they did badly, so they're like, oh, not going to do more female superheroes. And we didn't see a female superhero until Black Widow. Black Widow and she didn't even get her own film until 10 years after the I Marvel know, yeah, cinema started. Black Widow. It also didn't come out in the cinemas, which was sad. Yeah, I felt a bit bad for Scott Johansson on that one. Yeah, so I mean, her male counterparts have made so much money from the box office of their films coming out. Yeah, it's silly. And she had the same deal, but then they changed their mind and didn't do it in the cinema, and then no. she doesn't get as much money. I mean, I know people are like, well, well, she shouldn't be complaining, she's still getting loads of money, but it's the principle of every other person who's been a lead of these film series made so much money. Yeah, exactly. Why are we so quick to defend them and then not defend the woman, you mm-hmm. know, who deserves to be on that level there are some positive things is changing now and it's getting there slowly i know that miss marvel's meant to be quite good haven't watched miss marvel but was she the one in the doctor strange 2 film i watched that miss marvel is the kid right yeah 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 i think she was in oh she was in one of the she was in doctor strange 2 so the whole concept of doctor strange 2 is like scarlet witch has gone a bit nuts Mm -hmm. right and doctor strange is like Got to sort that out. And he finds this kid. And this kid is like some sort of crazy superhero, right? Who knew Doctor Strange in a parallel universe and comes to ask for help or something like that. She's she's teleporting all over the place. And then she basically saves the day. You know what I do appreciate about the OG Marvel time we're talking about? Yeah, you tell me. What's going on? It's simple. (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't deal with now. there's, mul- there's not only multiple films and multiple characters there's multiple versions of the characters in multiple universes and I just can't I can't be bothered I just I can't do it I'm too confused but th- they've literally taken over popular culture like, yes I know it's literally it is popular culture superhero films in a way 
And that's what's hard like, because the problem is, is you need to see this to understand this to get the reference to that and the context for that. So they're not bringing... It's hard for them to bring in new audiences because you can't just go watch Spider-Man, the Tom Holland one, and understand what's going on. Yeah. Or Spider-Man 2 or 3, that yeah. the, his one. And I also just... Because you're like, who, who's this guy? Who's that? Like, what is that funny? Why do I care that this person's in it? You know, you just don't get it and now you have to watch series as well and it's it's too much to keep up with it, it is it is too much and the I, nature I of it is it's gonna start falling off because avengers and all that i think was like peak i think what hysteria the, what, what, time and yeah. now it's gonna go back down well i thought with endgame conceptually this is what i thought not from a money-making perspective but conceptually i thought they were done i thought it was like this is our marvel universe endgame is over the avengers have done it this Ooh. is the universe we've saved everyone and then they were like, oh, no, but we've got, like, ten other characters to talk about. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, God. And also, I just hate... I mean, Hollywood has always been so in love with itself and self-referential, but now it's getting to the point where, like you said, it's you're literally referencing this film and this media and this meta-narrative. It's like, God, stop. Like, I'd like so I'm... much self-referencing. I, I won't understand half of what's going on because I haven't seen XYZ, so mm. putting audiences like me off, yeah. even if I might enjoy the movie. Yeah. And like, why would I want to go see another multiverse Doctor Strange doing some magic running around when I could watch everything everywhere all at once instead? Well, that was a nice way to plug that in, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're quite right. <laughs> but yeah, we've I, we, we've spoken about everything everywhere all at yeah, once. And we've mentioned it. Yeah. And also to people listening who really like MCU, I really, there's loads of films in the MCU that I do really love. Yeah, they, and they, like, they should, should saying, be rewarded for having fun films. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love, like, obviously... Spider-Man and mm. I really enjoy the Tom Holland ones and I'm a big fan of the uh, Ant-Man's yeah and I love Gal- Guardians Galaxy's great so and Thor Ragnarok is brilliant love it so you know there are definitely lots of films that I like it's just as a whole big thing for me it's a bit it's a bit much for my small little brain <laughs> to comprehend <laughs> <laughs> yeah. too many links too much it's, too it's, much contextual it's, it's stuff getting, I need to watch I think what it partly has done as well is we're at the point where serious films about superheroes can't really be made anymore. And I think that that was shown with the newer X-Men's. They kind of all flopped because it was like they didn't fit this Marvel Universe thing. And like what we spoke about with Spider-Man and X-Men, the kind of OGs, they were very serious films. Do you think that the reason Joker was successful is because they've established that DC is just more dark than Marvel? Because you've got the Dark Knight trilogy, which is very dark and heavy, and then all the other DC films are pretty heavy, apart from Superman. But you know what I mean? that they, It's got like but, more of a gritty edge to it. So do you think they could get away with a Joker sort of film for a Marvel character now? Do you think the reason they can do serious DC comic films is because they have established a track record of doing darker, more gritty DC stuff? Generally, yeah. I would say, compared okay, to Marvel. Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, yes, I guess so. They've maintained that. They are in a way, bringing out films like Joker because they tried to hit those kind of funny notes in the films that they've done and just hasn't really worked. Those couple of versions of Suicide Squad that they made were clearly designed to be like comedy DC films. Absolute flops, right? And it just Mm. didn't work. So I guess Joker is their answer to that. And it's like, oh, wait, actually, sorry, we're not going that direction, you know? Yeah, so their USP in a way is that they do films which are more gritty and human and stuff fundamentally i would disagree with that point on the basis of the dc universe that has emerged but i get what you mean what is in the dc universe it's the flash and superman and batman and wonder woman and cyborg and yeah but Aquaman. even like wonder woman because like the batmans are all dark I would say Wonder Woman is more gritty and dark than light and funny fair, like Marvel. No, I So I get... And from, then from I don't f- know about Suicide Squad. I've yet heard that it like tried to do a sort of lighter thing and it didn't, yeah, it didn't really work. So I would say that while I understand the idea that they are designed to be not funny... And in tone and colouring and cinematography, they're like darker and more what you might think of as serious. They don't actually deal with very serious themes. Mm. And so that's why I don't consider them as like serious apart, films. Apart from like Batman. I right, right. But that's that's what I mean is, is that's why I don't consider 
the DC Universe films in the same ilk as Dark Knight trilogy and Joker. Mm-hmm. It okay, feels like, so not so it's just those are anomalies rather than yes, those are what I would think of as anomalies. Yeah, is um what's his name the Ryan Reynolds one? Is that DC? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Green Lantern. No, 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 not Green Lantern. I know he oh, was in Deadpool. That. Deadpool's yeah, Deadpool. Marvel. Yeah. Interesting. Not sure how I feel about that. You don't like Deadpool? No. Oh, I really, I've enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I mean, I mean, I like things poking fun at themselves. There's, I mean, but there's only so much I can watch of Ryan Reynolds making jokes. Like, what? I was like, okay, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Man, you just not liking films this week, are you? What? <laughs> I'm loving films. They, <laughs> I hate the Marvel Universe. I hate this. I hate that. No, film. I don't. This is the thing. I don't hate. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't hate words any in your mouth. I don't hate any of it. No, I know. I well, actually, I don't like the. DC you don't. Universe. You don't dislike it. You're just tired. I'm very. You're tired a worn and weary old man now. Too much. I'm almost twenty-five. <laughs> We're getting there. Yeah, you you've had enough of of intertextual movies. Yeah. That deal with the same stuff. I want stuff like everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once, which comes out and says, "Here's a completely unique message, unique idea, and plays on what we already know." And it's like done in such a good way. Why can't we just have more of that? Well, you're asking a filmmaker here. One tries to make these things. <laughs> I, I tell you, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough <laughs> it's business. Tough is stuff. filmmaking. Yeah. Well, maybe one day. Maybe one I'll day I'll make something that's mm-hmm. in that sort of. Ilk. Be great. I'd love to watch that. I can't imagine myself getting commissioned to do a superhero film, to be honest. Mm. Unless they want like a really dark, creepy, surreal. Hey, I'll do an Ang Lee Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah probably what right. <laughs> mm. Oh, well. So that's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that note, this was us looking back at the Marvel, not phase one, the Marvel OG phase. Mm whatever we're going to call that, the original era starting in 2000 with X-Men, including Spider-Man and then a few of the other films sprinkled across, which we talked about. Of course, inevitably, we did talk about the actual MCU. As you need to. Yeah. We talked about the other phases and even some DC comics in there. So hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Yeah, that was good. A look back at a lot of classics, I'd say. Oh, yeah. We covered a lot of bases there. A lot of bases. Maybe. And as ever, if there's anything you want us to go into more detail about, please do let us know in comments. Yeah, give you us know, a shout. Yep, yeah, give us a comment on Podbean or on Instagram. You know where to find us. We'll be there. Great. Looking forward to next time. Looking forward to next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.